Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We're available online. We stream live worldwide to the masses at RadioNorthland.org. And if you happen to miss us on the live end, you can go back to that same website. Go to the Wrestling Memories page within RadioNorthland.org and check out the archives. It'll be there, I promise. Glenn Braggett back and ready to go with another edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Took a couple of weeks off to play a, a special interview I have conducted with Joey Mullen of the group Badfinger, who put out a new album here in 2020. But I'm back and ready to talk some wrestling memories. And I know a man who is with me today. In fact, this is the guy who helped get our guest today. And I always got to give him major props for booking some good, solid guests. Is the man down there in the mobile studio deep in the heart of Texas, I'm talking about the Grizzle vet, Mike McCurdy. Mike, it's so good good to have, be back after a couple of weeks off from uh, doing the wrestling memories thing. Oh yeah, man, I'm always glad to come back and you know do the show. And you know, I tend to listen to when I can to some of the uh, the music interviews you uh, you know that you do because you know you and I kind of have a similar taste in music. I have I have discovered. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, we definitely from our conversations, and uh, we we definitely have that same sort of time frame as far as you know what we can remember too from from some of these musicians. So it's kind of fun to share a little music banter from uh, time to time. But it's always so much uh, even better, I guess, to to talk uh, pro wrestling. And boy, you have booked a fine, fine guest here at the date of this recording. It's the day actually uh, before we get to our guest. It's the day after uh, the big TNA uh, Bound for Glory uh, event. Uh, that was uh, on pay-per-view and I actually uh, I've been uh, last couple of them Mike I've been uh, you know paying the, the money and, and ordering these these pay-per-views and, and really been entertained by the sizzle leading to them and, and actually being impressed with uh, the finished product uh, as far as the presentation some great stuff last night too uh, with uh, Rich Swan winning the uh, TNA t- or the uh, Impact Wrestling pardon me it's uh, slipped there uh, Impact Wrestling uh, Heavyweight Championship the tag titles were uh, uh, went up, you know were, were exchanged last night too with the North uh, the, the uh, Knockouts title was uh, one by Sue Young, uh, just a, a really and a really good night of of, of, of solid uh, of, of impact entertainment, uh, Mike. Uh, and of course, you you were we were talking a little bit about this uh, before we got on the mic. Uh, you want to you know share a little bit? I mean, especially when it comes to the knockouts, you were very happy with the results. Uh, at, you know, at Bound for Glory 2020. Well, uh, well, first off, I'm going to admit, you know, I didn't I didn't pay for the you know because you can always find a, a feed somewhere. So, uh, but no, I watched uh, Bound for Glory. I, I checked out some of it. You know. I don't watch a lot of it on impact. I always seem to forget it's on, but you know, I follow results and all that, but I enjoyed the show. And like you said, yes, uh, Sue Young winning the knockouts championship. I've had a chance to work a couple different shows with her uh, here in Texas and all that. So it was great to see her win the title, you know, and Rich Swan, of course, the new champion. that one surprised me a little bit though. You know, cause Eric Young has been so, you know, had such a run going all that. I was kind of surprised with Rich Swan, but you know, congratulations to, you know, all the new champions that were crowned at uh, Bound for Glory. Well, you know, again, I was thinking about that, too, initially about the whole Rich Swan uh, title win. But, again, the story he, that he brought to the table going into the match with, with Eric Young, with the injury, the comeback, and, of course, uh, the angles, too, with him being pushed back a little bit more, but then finally being able to get cleared for the match. I mean, that was great storytelling. And you didn't really want to end that thing with a thud, and you didn't want to do the uh, Lex Luger win by countout sort of thing, you know, with everybody celebrating like he won over Yokozuna. You want to do something, though, to, to kind of tie it together and yeah maybe they could have stretched this out a little bit longer but again the conclusion was what it was i, I thought was going to be and you know, eventually turning out with with rich going over so it'll be interesting to see how long this rain lasts as they go into another round of tapings here 
for uh, Slated that will be airing here in the month of November. So really interesting times with, with Impact Wrestling. And, of course, AEW's got their pay-per-view going on, too. So, man, it's a good time. And in the indies, everything's going on. Uh, just a good time to be a pro wrestling fan if you're following the current product. Oh, definitely. You know, in the wake of this pandemic, you know, some of the indie groups are starting to reopen. You know, they may only have 100 people in the crowd, but, you know, those guys are going out there and putting on a show because, you know, the people bought the tickets and they're there and they want to entertain. And right now, at this point in time, entertainment is, is what people need because we're unfortunately hearing news of a third spike in COVID-19. So who knows what the winter is going to hold? You know, a little worried, but, you know, do what we do. Exactly. And what we do is talk pro wrestling here and classic pro wrestling. And you've picked out a guest that kind of fits that perfect wheelhouse of classic wrestling, uh, especially when it comes to not only, you know, Texas, but also the pro wrestling scene of the late 1980s. And this was a, a, a very inter- interesting story about a, a, a very fascinating individual. And the guy uh, we're going to talk about today, and there's a brand new book that's going to talk about his life, is uh, Lance Vaughn. Oh, he wrestled under the, the name, of course, most well known as Lance Von Eric. And um, Mike, you're, you're a world-class uh, scholar. You've been following and, and, and recording events and trying to keep things. You're a guardian of history at, for the world-class uh, company, well, the Von Erichs and the like. But uh, man, this is right in your wheelhouse, uh, the whole Lance Von Erich saga, you know, and where he was before and where he went afterwards. Uh, so this is going to be a great, great chat. And I'm going to let you do the intro for our guest today. Well, definitely, man. Like you said, uh, I, I like world-class scholar. That, that's kind of nice. Makes me feel important. Uh, but honestly, Lance Von Eric is like one of my favorite stories because it's so interesting. There was so much, you know, so many twists and turns to it, you know, that the guy may has cemented his spot in history. And due to my affiliation and my interest in the world-class territory, I was introduced to our guest multiple times and told about him multiple times before him and I actually even spoke. I had heard about a gentleman that was writing a book about Lance Von Eric, and I had been reached out to people. Hey, I know this guy is working on a book on Lance Von Eric. You think you can help him out? And then lo and behold, one day he reached out and contacted me and we've been talking ever since. And, you know, I'm glad to have him on as a guest because I'm going to talk about, you know, his backstory. I'm going to talk about the process and putting this book together, how he got in, how he got in touch with Lance Von Eric because Lance has kept a very low profile. It's not like you see him you know, on the indie circuits or at the meet and greets and all that, he doesn't do that. And I think fans are going to be very interested in hearing his story as well as the story of behind the book. The book is Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Eric. You can pre-order it now at lancebychance.com. You can even get an autographed copy. I would love an autographed copy. But today we're going to talk to the author of this book, none other than Mr. Vinny Berry. Vinny, welcome to Wrestling Memories. Hey, thank you very much for having me on. Oh man, thank you for joining us. Because, like I said, you know, you and I had a, you and I alone had kind of a, a an interesting little history. Because I had heard about you, not by name, multiple times before you actually reached out to. Because a mutual friend of ours, Brian Westcott, told you to get in contact with me. And ever since then, you and I have been talking, and I've been kind of watching the formation of the book, and you know, you going through the whole process of getting it printed, and now it's coming out. I am looking forward to reading this. But man, right now, you know, let's talk a little bit about you and kind of, you know, your background, your history. You know, what is your background in professional wrestling and how did you lead up to getting a chance to work on the book about Lance Von Eric? Okay, well, 
Wow, it's you know it's a long story. I well, I when I was uh, I moved to Dallas, Texas when I was you know ten years old. So um, somewhere in that time, I, I I don't know what really when it when it happened, but I started watching world class championship wrestling. It was like something I've never seen before in my life, and uh, so it was easy to. Uh, just be so attracted to that and i tell you when i would watch other wrestling programs they weren't the same it wasn't the same you know what i mean it just wasn't the same uh entertainment it wasn't the same kind of wrestling it was it was really special at world class in dallas and so it was easy to hook a lot of people and and that's what that program did well definitely it's been said multiple times by many historians and authors that you know, world-class, a lot of their stuff was cutting edge at that time. They were doing things that other groups weren't doing. It wasn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't normal for her to see a, a group, a territory group, have a television product like they did, let alone, I mean, they had satellite, you know, carrying. You can pick it up in multiple places. Or they were even in Israel. You know, the Von Erichs were like heroes in Israel. I've always thought that was kind of interesting. Right. You know, because Mickey Grant... And they had Bill Mercer. Bill Mercer was a professor up at North Texas University teaching uh, television and film up there. And, um, you know, they had the perfect combination of what a good television product was. And so they brought that to world-class championship wrestling. And they tried things that a lot of uh, wrestling uh, programs weren't doing. You know, they did the vignette, uh, vignettes and they did the... Um, you remember the Jim Garvin coming over to David Von Erich's house and he was like the uh, the worker for the day and he worked in the farm with Sunshine and, you know, they were doing stuff like that. That was hot television back then. I mean, people uh, loved that that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the matches were good. The, the characters were good. Uh, they brought in people periodically, you know, big names from around the world and other territories. So they were very progressive. And uh, when they were connected to the NWA and Ric Flair was, Ric Flair or Harley Race at that time were coming in on a regular basis, it really gave credibility to that organization that it was a a promotion that was really on the cutting edge. Definitely. And to this day, World Class is still a very highly regarded promotion. Just like you said, the names that went through, you didn't just have like, you know, the Von Erics and the Freebirds. You also had guys like, you know, Chris Adams, Gino Hernandez, uh, the missing link. You had Bruiser Brody at Abdullah, the butcher. You had so many, uh, such a variety of names and talents that went through that area. You know, and it's funny, you mentioned Jim Garvin and, uh, you know, slave for the day. And of course we all remember he had to, uh, you know, wash under the dog's tail, but, uh, that was my introduction world-class championship wrestling i didn't get the actual product where i lived in northern california it was a very small rural area but uh, when we actually finally got a cable system in my small town and we had espn i found the show called legends of world-class championship wrestling and i was already a fan of jimmy garvin from watching him on uh, you know nwa programming on uh, tbs so i turned on legends of world-class one day and there's jimmy garvin doing the slave for a day with uh, david von eric I recognized Jimmy. I had no clue who David was. But by the end of the hour, I was hooked on, you know, the product, and I wanted to watch more of it. And I did. Five days a week, 
every day at 1 p.m., Legends of World Class Championship Wrestling was on ESPN. That was my introduction to the World Class product. And, and you bring up David Von Erich. It's a very interesting story. You know, this, this book covers uh, the period between 1982 and 1985. You know, it starts at 1982. It talks with the, the, the Freebird and the, the Von Erich feud. But the whole thing about Lance Von Erich, we would not be sitting here today uh, talking about Lance Von Erich had David Von Erich not pass away in 1984. You know, back then they wrote television for months in advance. So when David Von Erich passed away and Mike Von Erich was very, very, very green in the business, he'd only been wrestling a couple months. Um, they, the promotion didn't think he was quite ready for a for a feud like that with the, the Freebirds. And so they, you know, they needed another Von Erich. And I think what people... You know, unless you live there, unless I, because I grew up in Louisville, Texas, uh, 10 miles from where the Von Erichs lived, unless you lived in that area, I mean, it's really hard for me to sit here and try to explain how over those boys were. You know, I mean, it was, we tried to convey that message in the book, and I don't know if we did it justice, but I'll tell you this when David Von Erich died, uh, you'd go around town or if you, you know, I mean, you didn't have to, you go in the grocery store or the gas station, people say, oh, did you hear about David? You know, it was like everybody felt it. And everybody, um, you might not have known them personally, you felt like you did. You felt like you Well, did. yeah, and David and Vonner's funeral, that there were so many people that there were fans outside the building, you know, outside the church in the parking lot and all that to come to attend to this because, you know, he was such a, like you said, beloved person as well as all his brothers were. And it's not just how over they were. You know, living in Texas, I moved here, you know, just a few years ago, but they're still over. I walk through, sir, and I'll wear, a, you know, any wrestling T-shirt. It could be a WWE, but, you know, I'll wear like a, a retro shirt or something. And some older person will see me and they'll be like, oh, I used to watch the wrestling of the Von Erics, and they'll talk to me for an hour about how great the Von Erichs were and their feuds with the Freebirds, and they'll just go into detail. The Von Erichs are still over to this day. I, I just find it utterly fascinating, the rabid fan base they still have, you know, 30 years later. Right, right. I've, I've lived in Texas most of my life, almost 40 years, right? And if wrestling <laughs> comes up today and you say, well, do you know who the Von Erichs are? And everybody's response is, come on, man. <laughs> who doesn't know who the Von Erichs are? So that's, yeah, I mean, they're, they are legendary wrestling people of Texas. And, uh, you know, not just Texas, but their, their fan base is really, really strong here. They're rooted in the state of Texas, and, and, and they are our people. You know what I mean? We, we claim them as our own. Oh, yeah, I've done multiple interviews with Kevin and all that, and he always talks about, you know, how great Texas was and how he still loves the fans. And he still talks to the fans. You can message him on Twitter and reach out to him and he'll reply back to you. And all that. I've had a few conversations with him and, you know, I mean, he still, you know, he remembers his brothers. He still loves, you know, what he did. And, you know, he doesn't regret anything. I mean, even losing so many of his family, he still loves what he did, which is absolutely amazing. 
Right, right. And and that's the thing about this book, I think, is, is people are going to find it so interesting. It just doesn't cover Lance and how Lance got in the business and what Lance did afterwards. You know, it covers the lives of the people that were in the promotion at that time. You know, there's a, there's a chapter on Steve Simpson. There's a chapter on Ric Flair. There's a chapter on Kerry Von Erich. There's a chapter on Mike Von Erich, Chris Adams, Juno Hernandez, Bruce Brody. And I mean, these people were uh, very, uh, you know, these were the people that were there when he was there. And a lot of stuff happened in that one and a half year. Uh, of course, a lot of tragedy happened. And, you know, that stuff is discussed in the book. There are things that happen. And, and really what, not not what really happened in the, not so much that happened in the promotion. I mean, he talks about that, but, you know, he talks about, you know, how the fans reacted to some of these things. He talks about how, you know, the 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 struggle between real life and kayfabe, you know. And it's very interesting, you know, because he he was not a wrestler. He was not uh uh groomed to 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 be uh, a wrestler and this is what you do in wrestling, but he did what he was asked to do, but you know, he struggled with the fact that hey, whoa, 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 wait a second, this is real life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, exactly. Let's talk a little bit more kind of, you know, about you and about the book. Um, sure. You know, you said you moved here to Texas. You got hooked by wrestling, which is easy to do, you know, like I said, Texas area wrestling. But, uh, you know, what what is your background, like, in the sport, you know, and as far as writing and all that goes? Because, like I said, I'd heard about you, not by name, and then, you know, but don't know much about your backstory. Well, I uh, I have a uh, television news background. I've been in television news for probably about 18 years, and I still work in uh, media for television now. Um, but I have always had a fascination with writing. As a matter of fact, uh, in my early 20s when I was living in North Texas, I, I, there was a uh, – uh, Michael, do you ever hear of uh, Trophy Club? Do you know where Trophy Club is up there, the, no. the little town? Well, there's there's a town called Trophy Club. It's by Keller, uh, by it's somewhere over there. I I don't know if I could find it today, but I worked for a small town newspaper there for about a year and a half, and I wrote sports and government. And I struggled with the government, but I enjoyed writing the sports. Well, I did that for I don't know probably about a year and a half, and that was my first introduction to writing, and that was like in the early '90s, and I didn't do hardly any writing like that for years and years and years. And then when I moved to South Texas, which was about um, 2010, I, I met guys that, uh, I met some guys down here that uh, went to boxing and MMA events on a regular basis, and they told me what they did, and I said, well, I used to box and I used to write, and they said, well, come on, and, and before you know it, I was writing with them. I wrote for that website. It was called RGV, uh, let's see, RGV Canvas Warriors. I did that for about a year. Then I went to SouthTexasContender.com and wrote for them for about a year. And then I went to, uh, I got, I went ahead and I took a break from writing and then I got a call out of the blue from a promoter, asked me what it was going to take for, uh, 
him to get me on his uh, payroll, and he wanted me to do his website. So I did his website, and before you know it, I became his matchmaker for uh, a mixed martial arts promotion down here in South Texas. It was called JC Fight Promotions. And you talk about somebody not knowing what the heck they were doing. You know, you're talking about learning on the fly. And I spent a lot of time with the people at the uh, uh, the uh, the Texas State Board of, uh, you know, combat, whatever the combat licensing it was, they, they the Texas regulation. Athletic Commission. There you go. So, thank you very much. I was waiting for you to pull <laughs> me out of that hole. But, hey, you know what? I spent a lot of time with them, and I, I learned how that business worked. And, and um and after he uh, he went ahead and uh, that promoter went ahead and uh, did other started doing other business ventures and and that one kind of that promotion came to an end. But I missed that writing. I missed. I told my wife. I said, you know what? I miss writing. I want to write something. I and she was like, look, just promise me one thing. If if you 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 start writing on a regular basis, you start your own website. And you, you be your, you know, because I was taking care of everybody else's website, but, you know, uh, not driving the car, so to speak. You know what I mean? I was sitting in the back seat, but now I get to drive my own car, <laughs> and which is I get to take care of my own website, and it's Russellville.com. And uh, I, I write about veteran wrestlers, little bios, um, I do it in my spare time. It keeps my writing skills sharp. Um, I, I write about independent wrestlers, people coming up in the business. Uh, I've made a lot of connections in that business. And from that, that was how I met Lance Von Erich. And I was talking to James Beard one day, and his name came up. And, you know, we were just talking about him a little bit. And then Another conversation uh, came up, and, you know, Lance's name came up in that conversation. And, you know, when we were talking earlier about Lance and the mystery of him, you know, it was always, he was the one wrestler that when I would see him on the Internet or if his name would come up or something, it would always be one of those, golly, man, there's so many things I want to know about that guy. Because he was just so here and gone. And and then it was like he fell off the face of the earth. And, you know, what happened? And what, how do you get in the business? And, what you know, who is he? And what did he do? And how did he get with the Von Erichs? And just so many things. And uh, anyway, James kind of showed me how to get in touch with him. And uh, I basically cold called this guy. And uh, I talked to uh, Lance and asked him, um, if I could do something uh, about him on my website. And he was a little reluctant, but he did it. And then uh, I said, you know, I got so much information that I couldn't squeeze into the little story. So I I told him, uh, I said, man, I, I'm really surprised that nobody's ever written a book about you. And he didn't think there was much interest or a market in it. And And then we had talked once again, and I said, you know, just uh, just one of these days, you may want want to consider writing a book. And and he says, well, if 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 you're willing to do it, I'll uh, I'll do it with you. And even to this day, I say, man, I I can't believe you wrote a book. You know that 
I can't believe that you did this project with me. And he says, yeah, me neither. See, and that's kind of interesting. It's like you said, Lance, definitely low profile. He was down for a couple of years, disappeared. Uh, you know, I've heard numerous stories, you know, from like Black Bart and guys like that about how they went out looking for him. Uh, and some of those stories are legendary. But, you know, you reached out to him. You said that he was kind of reluctant. Um, you know, you get this process going. What was the process of, you know, writing the book? Because, like I said, such a low-profile guy, you had probably one of the few people that actually had an open opportunity to hear his story and put it all together. You know, what was the process of, you know, the beginning of it and kind of get and you know, what was Lance wanting to talk about, not wanting to talk about? And just how reluctant was he in the very beginning and all that? And did he kind of open up more, obviously, as uh, the project went on? Yeah, that you know what? That's really interesting that you that, – that is an interesting aspect uh, to this whole thing. Um, we started talking uh, almost on a weekly basis, I guess. Um, we, would, we would talk uh, – like when I first started, so I was like, wow, man, I'm going to write a book, and I never wrote a book before. You know, I I probably wrote five to six hundred, you know, articles and stories. So I I, you know, and I growing up in the or growing up, but living work working for a living in the news business. You know, we're you know, we're kind of taught and trained how to tell these stories and tell these stories in a short period of time. You know, we tell these news segments and get our point across in about a minute and a half, two minutes. And so we've been telling stories and getting, trying to get to the point for, for a long time, you know. And uh, so I went into this, this idea of writing this book with, oh, this chapter is going to be about that. Okay, we're, this, chapter two will be about this, and this will be about this, and this chapter, and we'll talk about this, and just so forth. And I had like this outline and everything that I thought the book was going to be, and uh, that is not what the book is. <laughs> I mean, that was scratched a long time ago, and it was so funny because when I would talk to him, he'd say the book is between this period. And this time period, he'd say the book is between, you know, 1982 and 1997. And I was like, no, we got to talk about this and we got to talk about that. And and you know what? That's about that's about what the book is. That's a, it's about in that time frame. Boom. And let me tell you something. It uh, the people who have read the book have told me, look, it's it's straight to the point you don't get derailed uh i've had i've had about four people tell me that they've read in three days that they couldn't put it down um you know that it was uh very fascinating very interesting they kept their interest uh and they they really liked how the story was told so you know it was uh really challenging because there'd be times when I'd interview him and, you know, oh, I said, wow, that, well, that's very, he'd tell me something. I said, well, that's very fascinating. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be sure and jot that down and make sure I use that. He goes, no, 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 don't use that. Okay. Well, okay. And then, and then, um, then I'd come to a point in our conversation. I said, wow, I guess you don't want me to use that. And he goes, no, no, absolutely. Go ahead and use that. So I was kind of, taken back by him, you know, by 
what he was willing to share and what he wasn't willing to share. And uh, he was a little more open than I thought he'd, he'd be in this for this book. See, I find that kind of funny because that's one thing I've, you know, throughout, I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years as far as historian goes, and I've done tons of articles. You get that. You'll talk to one of the wrestlers, and they'll tell you the stories and all this. They'll talk to you for like 45 minutes. And then the next thing they say is, oh, you can't, you can't use any of that. But you just, oh, nope, okay. And it's one of those rules that you just follow. They'll tell you the story, but then they'll ask you not to, because it's like, that's their story. You know, they choose who they tell it to. They don't want everybody to know about it, because a lot of the guys from that, you know, time frame, 80s, early in the 70s and all that, they protected the business and all that, and they still do to this day. And that's part of the thing. They protect it. There are stories they don't want out just because it's incriminated to them or someone else was involved in it. Or it just might be a story that they just want to keep to themselves that they have something to tell. It's a very interesting dynamic when you have to, uh, you know, speak with a wrestler and all that. And it happens on here, too. I've asked people, you know, okay, can we talk about this? You know, what do you want to talk about? Well, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. It's like one of the biggest parts of his career, but he doesn't want to talk about it. All right. You just kind of go with it. It is a very interesting dynamic that you really have to learn to adjust to. And it's kind of hard, too. It's like, okay, well, what do I say now? <laughs> you know, um, there was uh, one of the wrestlers that uh, helped me uh, with some stories in the book that I interviewed, and uh, I I reached out to him to clarify some information. He goes, whoa, 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 you're not using that, are you? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, no, 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 no. No, this is a book about Lance, and I said, well, I was able to tie it into the story, but, you know, he asked me not to use it. I went back and, you know, I went ahead and reworked that paragraph, and, you know, yeah, that's that's kind of what you 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 deal with, and, and, you know, when the book was finished, you know, Lance read it a couple times, and, you know, there was a, I don't, I can't tell you how long, you know, we went back and forth. He was like, nope, yep, or why didn't you put that in? And it was like, oh, you go back and rework it. And so that was, you know, I wouldn't say that was a real tedious and a real, uh, you know, agonizing part. But, you know, yeah, there was a couple things that he was like, no, you know, that's kind of not what happened or it happened more like this or um, yeah, rather not you say that, or I wish you would put that story in. So, you know, we kind of just kind of worked it until he was happy with the finished product. There are times though, you feel like you want to pull your hair out. Cause, uh, you know, I'm working on a book and helping Chaz Taylor work on his book. So like you, my first book, I'm excited, you know, 27 pages in, but I make the joke now that, you know, I refer to Chaz. It's like, Oh, my son Chaz. Cause it's like having your, another child. Cause you know, they tell you this and this and this and this and this, and you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then, oh, but don't tell that. All right, all right, let me scratch that out. You know, luckily my subject is a little more kind of open. You know, he'll he'll talk about anything. But <laughs> I understand the process you're going through, and uh, you know, I'm sure I'll be reaching out to you, going, dude, did you have this problem? Did this come up? Because you know, like you said, it's your first book. You know, it's it's your baby. This is what's introducing you to the world, and as far as being an author, so you know, you you want to take good care of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's absolutely a learning experience, right? I mean, there's a lot of things throughout this process and uh, during this journey that, you know, I did right, but there are some things I, I had to do it twice, and sometimes I spent a little more money on one area of the thing because I just didn't know any better, you know. 
So it's good to have people in the business that that kind of guide you along and help you. Kenny Casanova has been a huge help and a mentor to me. Um, you know, just kind of holding my hand through this entire process. And I'll tell you a funny story uh, about that. One day I was online and I had sent out some. Uh, I guess I was posting some stories there for a while. Is writing the book and keeping the website up. I, I I still write articles for the website, but this past year I've really concentrated on finishing the book. And I don't think if I, I didn't do that, I, I probably we still probably wouldn't be talking right now because I'd still be working on the book. So I put the, the website on the on the back burner for a little bit, but he had reached out to me one time and said, Okay I and we knew who each other were, but we didn't know each other well, and he just kind of sent me a message out of the blue. Uh, okay, enough with all these wrestling articles. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I I know you've talked to Kenny, so he's kind of a little outspoken sometimes. And and uh, I said okay, and he goes he goes, uh, are you ready to write a book? And I says, well, actually. <laughs> He goes, are you working on a book? And then me and him started talking about it. For a long time, I didn't talk about what I was doing. I didn't tell anybody for a long time what I was doing for many reasons because, you know, I probably said I was going to write a book. I'm 51. I've probably said I was going to write a book multiple times throughout my life, and I never have. So I just kind of wanted to to see if I was going to follow through with this. But then I thought the uh, the story and the idea was just so good that, you know, um, yeah, I didn't want to shout it from the rooftops at the, at a certain at point of the, the process because, you know, I just wasn't ready to announce it. And, you know, uh, there was a point somewhere in this project where me and my wife were talking about this project, and, and I told her, I said, hey, look, the pipe dream is over. This is happening. And so, you know, I'm just letting you know that financially we're going to have to start focusing on this. And she was like, okay. You know, and it's been a three-year process working on this book. It's probably been three years and four months this thing is coming out. And, you know, it, uh, it's been a big part of our lives. And I'm, I'm kind of ready for to go into a, another phase of of it you know i'm kind of ready for it to to come out and for the people to to read it and see it and you know i think people are again i say this all the time i think people are really 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 going to be surprised about this story and what this story entails you know people reach out to me on facebook all the time you know and and express their uh, opinion about not being interested in the book Oh, it's about Lance Von Eric. No, this this thing is about world class championship wrestling. This thing is about professional wrestling. This is about how the business was run. This is how the NWA title was uh, presented back then. This is how kayfabe was. This is what happened when Eddie Mansfield broke kayfabe on 2020. This is what happened when Fritz von Erich broke kayfabe in 1987. This is what happened when Chris Adams died. This is what happens when Gino Hernandez died. This is what happened when Mike von Erich died. This is what happened because David von Erich died. I think people are going to be really, really uh, blown away by this read because, 
they're going to get so much more. I thought I was reading a book about Lance. This is so much bigger than Lance. All right, well, I'm going to bring Glenn in now for a few questions there because he's been kind of radio silent listening to our conversation. So, uh, Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone over to you. Yeah, I'll stick around for a little bit here. I've been enjoying the uh, the back and forth between you guys about uh, this this great book. I'm so so psyched about this book. I, I cannot wait to read it. Uh, this is because it, it's such an interesting story. And just going through some notes before the uh, the interview today, it's you know Lance, at, you know. You know, at the time, this Lance Von Eric concept, I mean, he really, the man himself, Kevin, he really didn't need the world of pro wrestling uh, to get by. He wasn't one of those guys that was striving and, and, and surviving and just really putting up for the ultimate goal to be this top tier wrestler. He had his own thing. He was uh, successful in weightlifting competitions, very high tier. And he also was selling real estate. So from this time, this offer came around to, to be a character. It was almost like he was taking a sacrifice to what it was already had been a successful life for him to go into this and, and you know this take this role on as a von Eric cousin uh, something that uh, you know was going to have to be a tremendous pressure as far as establishing himself in Texas when he was already in that state and already known for doing other things right and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because guys that were uh pro wrestlers that were assisting in him training in the very beginning, their question to him was, well, why are you doing this? You know, they, they're seeing him driving the car that he's driving, and they're like, hey, uh, why are you going to be a pro wrestler if you're successful at selling real estate? Why, why do you want to do this? You might want to think about this a little more, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, how he got into it, too. It wasn't uh, initially uh, with a Von Eric. It was someone who was working in the world-class office. He was also known on camera as a referee. Of course, the man, uh, when we talk about it, in, uh, who plays an integral part in this story, the process of this Lance Von Eric uh, character, was David Manning. Absolutely. And David Manning writes a foreword for the book. He was very instrumental in, in helping me with this this book. And and he shared a lot about um, how the business, you know, he really uh, helped me just kind of with, you know, that's the way the business was run, and that's why they did things. And, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, wow, man, Kerry, Kerry won the world title, and, and you know, but it's inside the office, you know, they weren't, they weren't jumping up and down, you know, because a wrestler like Kerry – Leaving the territory, he's he's taking away tickets from their their show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you, you you don't think about that. You think, oh man, what a great opportunity this is for Kerry Von Erich, and it was. But it it affected their promotion. You know because you got to remember, you know, getting people inside the those arenas and those uh, those venues is is you know that's how you keep the business going. You know. And uh, and that's what the Von Erics did. They got people. Let me tell you something. They they knew how to pack them in. The, and, the, and the people of Texas, wherever they went, people loved to watch those Von Erics wrestle. And that's why they needed a Von Eric on the card every single night. And that's how Lance got into the business because they needed. You know, it was supply and demand. You mm -hmm. know. 
Yeah, and you had Micah, who was dealing with his situation, too, with the toxic shock syndrome. You weren't that many months uh, really removed from David's passing. So, I mean, they were already on the ropes. But at the same time, we, you, you guys alluded to it earlier, their popularity, uh, not only in Texas, but worldwide, especially in, in Israel and other spots, was so huge that, yeah, supply and demand. And that's where really where, where Kevin Vaughn comes into the picture and to take this you know this spot and to be a big part of this uh, family and to be uh, plugged into some of these feuds as well uh, was was definitely going from uh, just merely training and uh, you know, working some guys and even working up getting that seasoning in, in the Pacific Northwest to this whole new thing making your debut at a big significant wrestling event too or you know one of his earlier appearances I would say as this Lance Von Eric working in the Cotton Bowl or being a part of the thing not really in the ring but working just being in an appearance came at the time of a big moment in in world class as well which of course not too long after led to some more tragedy with the passing of Gino Hernandez but the big Von Erichs uh, dynamic duo match with the hair versus hair titles on the line situation he added to the mix already that's a hell of a way to really uh, uh, create awareness about this Lance Von Erich this cousin absolutely and that and that story is featured in the book and it talks about that match and it talks about um, you know the the them bringing him in the the phone call he got before he he came down here you know what he had to do with you know his conversation with Don Owen uh, about coming here and then his uh, you know he's up in Portland and they were doing shows and he was a part of a big show up there but you know he he came from you know really. The uh, and not taking away anything from the Northwest promotion, but it was just electrifying, electrifying when he came down here to Dallas. I mean, it was night and day. And in his very first event, you know, he's doing little venues and he's doing the uh, uh, Portland Sports Arena up there and everything, you know, which is I would assume, and I I've never been there, but I would something relatively uh, similar to what the sportatorium or an armory is and uh, that size. But then he comes down here, his very first show is at the, the Cotton Bowl, and he's seen uh, the, the the Von Erichs for the very first time and how the people are, uh, are reacting to them. And he was like, wow, I've been around popular wrestlers and I've never seen anything like this. Oh, it's it's almost to the effect of of, of a rock star that you know the way Absolutely. that they that they were embraced by the their their fan base down there in Texas, and you know taking and being the you know Lance Von Eric, it wasn't all that long that he was you know he was in some pretty high profile matches. I mean, he it really definitely paid off in these early days when he got to wrestle Ric Flair in one of uh, I don't know if it was the last NWA title match before World Class pulled out of the National Wrestling Alliance, but it had to have been one of the final uh, matches. Matches for Ric Flair to be in the the territory working and the Lance to be up there at that point of the card. I mean, talk about again. You, you're, you're working Portland shows uh, not all that long uh, before that to now you're working with Ric Flair, uh, the the class of pro wrestling and the, the NWA championship. Right, right, absolutely. And he talks and he talks about that that match and his interactions with Ric Flair in the book as well. And yes, he wasn't he wasn't there very long. And I heard the same story, too, about him 
him being the the last uh, competitor for the NWA title in that territory. Um, I've heard that a couple of times. I I haven't been able to to prove that myself, but it's interesting that you you bring that up. And and after that too, um, at uh, what was it the Christmas? I mean, he was wrestling. Uh, he was wrestling Rick Rude in the American title. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, and he was wrestling, you know, right next to the Von Erichs. And he had the six-man tag team uh, belts put on him uh, on two occasions. And I think he, at uh, one time, he even shared the uh, tag team titles uh, with uh, Jim Helwig, who was the Dingo Warrior, the ultimate warrior eventually. And, um, yeah, so he, yes, they put a rocket on him. <laughs> and just I mean, he, he he came into Dallas and he was a Von Erich and he was you know he got Von Erich status. Yeah, he was basically you know his own sort of Texas tornado. Uh, it was the perfect storm, uh, which turned out you know early on to be so very promising. But the wheels eventually started to roll off, and uh, things things were kind of went south. And boy, as as fast as they went up, it definitely went down as far as uh, Lance trying to deal with the situation at hand, and which led him uh, for to leave to work with a rival. What happened? What led to this? I mean, because, I mean, there was, there was a point where he, again, we talked about the big rise, but boy, the fall was uh, definitely, definitely ugly for, for Lance, uh, for Kevin. Well, you, you know, you, you bring that up and, and it's all, it's definitely all covered in the book. And I'll give you the, I guess the short answer, you know, here he was a year and a half and you got to remember Mike was dealing with his uh, toxic shock syndrome. I don't have the, the the date on the top of my head when he returned, but he w- was dealing with that most of the time that Lance was wrestling. In 1986, before Mike uh, started wrestling uh, from that, uh, recovering from that illness, um, Gary has his motorcycle accident. So we're talking in June 1986. In May 1986, Gary, Steve Simpson, and Lance Von Erich win the six-man tag team titles. Gary has his uh, motorcycle accident. So we have no Mike. We have no Gary. And uh, Kevin Von Erich did not wrestle in that uh, parade of champions uh, because he had a shoulder injury. And so with, uh, there, was a, there became a time where Lance Von Erich was the only Von Erich wrestling. Who wasn't a Von Erich, right? Mm-hmm. And so here he is, put all this pressure of carrying the promotion, and a lot of people get offended by that. Oh, he wasn't carrying the promotion. He was the only Von Erich. <laughs> they were running two shows a night. You know, you've got to understand how popular that promotion was. It was a well-oiled machine. So he got burned out. And, you know, when you talk about Wild West promotion, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, you you say, well, he went to go work with the rival. You know what? You talk to him about that, and and, and he's like, you know, he he's like, hey, it was just something I did to kill some time. You know, it wasn't, wasn't like he was... He liked Ken Mantell, and he was he was going to work. Uh, he was going to just kind of bide some time. But you know, as far as him leaving this promotion to go work for that promotion, that's 
it was kind of like, hey, will you do me a favor? Yeah, sure, I'll help you out. That was more of that kind of a thing as opposed to I'm leaving world class to work for uh, Ken Mantell's promotion. So just kind of like, hey, I'm going to do these spots here and there. It's not nothing I'm going to take too seriously. But the thing, you know, he also continued on. Uh, he he dropped the Von Erich moniker and just worked as the fabulous Lance. And he did a lot of stuff not only in Texas but also in Puerto Rico. He did some international touring and – I guess, you know, even doing these international tours up to his retirement, he uh, also, you know, became, I guess he kind of returned to one of his first loves as far as being that businessman, doing some outside uh, pro wrestling stuff in, in South Africa where with the health club. So he kind of got a little bit more rekindled back to his real estate and his advertising and selling past while he was still wrestling. And that kind of, uh, you know, led him back to the, the really what, what he was really into uh, before this whole pro wrestling thing took off for him. Well, he is definitely has a business sense to him. He's definitely he he knows how to make money, and that was one of the things. Is when you know he was never really concerned with if wrestling ever falls away, I'm gonna be okay. But you know, he saw a lot of people um, throughout the business that that could only wrestle. They you know they didn't have a a plan B. Well, this guy had a, a a plan A before he, you know, wrestling was his plan B. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. It wasn't his, it wasn't his bread and butter. He didn't put all his eggs in his basket. And it was just kind of like, you know, um, the timing was right and somebody dangled a carrot in front of his uh, his face and, and he, he liked the carrot and, and he found out that, the carrot that they were dangling was a little bigger than the carrot that he found in the business. Yeah, and being able to have uh, that that sort of flexibility, it definitely separated him from a lot of his peers at the time, uh, who who you know they were working from shot to shot. Some of them couldn't make it up to New York, and some you know with the territories getting gobbled up at the end there, and some shutting down just altogether. Uh, I guess it had to have been some sort of sign of relief, sigh of relief for him to be able to to, to continue to uh, live very comfortably and to be a very successful person. It's uh, not like wrestling needed him; he needed, or not like he needed wrestling. Wrestling needed him at, at the point, and that, and that was pretty much the story of his wrestling life. Right. Well, you know, Dusty Wolf says it very well. You know, he kept one promotion alive a little longer than they deserved and he he brought back a wrestling promotion in all across the on the other side of the world that was was dying and so a lot of people criticize Lance Von Erich for for not being you know was he you know the caliber of Kevin and Kerry absolutely not you know but he he brought something to the table he was a workhorse he worked hard and he's a, an, an extremist to the extreme. <laughs> and the guy, you know, uh, the guy uh, really did uh, uh, do some wonderful things when he was overseas. So it's, 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 again, it's an interesting read. And I think a lot of people, he wrestled up until um, probably 1996. Yeah, about that. And he wrestled as Lance Von Erich over state. The only time he wrestled as Fabulous Lance was... Uh, the one tour in Puerto Rico in the time with Ken Mendel. Okay. I'm going to bring in uh, Mike McCurdy uh, to handle this final segment here as we are, we are talking Lance Von Eric with uh, Vinnie Berry. Uh, Mike, you ready to go uh, to wrap this up?
Oh, definitely, man. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, the popularity of the Von Erichs and how they're still popular now. On the flip side of the coin, this is what I always find fascinating about Lance's story, is the people who love the Von Erichs hate Lance. Lance non-Eric. Lance Con Eric. There are so many names. I have talked to so many people because he wasn't a cousin. He wasn't a Von Eric. The Von Erics weren't Von Erics. Their last name is Adkison. The Von Erics are a made-up character. But they turned on Lance. Lance was just doing a job. He was asked to come in. They said, hey, we're going to bring you in. You're going to be Lance Von Eric. You're going to be one of the Von Eric cousins. You're Waldo's son. They brought Waldo into the storyline, sort of, because that was Fritz's tag partner back in the day. And they brought it. But the fans turned on him. What I'd like to know is, and if you touch on this in the book, you know, I understand if you want to save that for the readers and all that, but how did Lance feel about that? You know, I mean, because everybody turned on him, and he didn't, he was just doing his job. Yeah, it's interesting. But those same people loved him. They all loved him until, you know, Fritz came out on television. He does talk about that in the book. You know, he's, there's still a little bit of a head-scratching for him of kind of like why things turned out the way he did. But, you know, he doesn't, he, you know, the, he even, you know, you when you read the book, you'll see, hey, look, you know, I should have done this differently, could have done this differently, could have done that differently. You know, um, he uh, talks about his relationship with uh, Carrie, and uh, he really liked Carrie. He uh, talks about his relationship with Fritz. He talks about his relationship with Kevin. It was, uh, you know, um, wasn't anything like it was with Carrie, uh, but they worked together. They worked together quite often. And, uh, you know, he, going back to your, your, your question, yeah, he, he does. He, he talks about it in the book. I'll save it for the readers. But, you know, it was, like you said, he, he was doing a job. If you go back, if, and, and again, you, 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 you say that, well, the, the Von Erichs were characters too. Why doesn't anybody give, like, uh, you know, Kendo Nakazaki or uh, nobody gave Kamala a hard time for, for not being from the jungles of Africa? You know, I mean, he was... He was a character too, right? And everybody loved James Harris. How can you not love James Harris? He was such a, a sweet guy and nice guy. If you ever had the chance to, to talk to him, he was just so, he was good people, right? So, you know, it, it's funny how with Lance, when that they were, the Von Erichs were so loved that they want to, it's like just the mention of Lance is like, affecting, like, like it affects their legacy or their... The Von Erichs are legendary. One little blip on the... Definitely. One little mistake blip on the radar is, is not going to hurt their legacy. Those guys will live in wrestling history forever and ever. But you know what? Lance is a part of that history, you know? And he came in here, and uh, whether people want to admit it or not, he worked his butt off, and he did what he was supposed to do and he came in here and you're talking about a guy that never wrestled before in his life never watched wrestling before in his life and in a year and a half or a year into his career he's wrestling next to some of the the, the highest regard people in the business 
and he hung with them. I always say there's one thing I've learned, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, the, the, the Von Erich Nation and all the Von Erich fans is, and I'm friends with a lot of them. I respect them. They love their Von Erichs, but sometimes I think it's a little bit of blind loyalty because in, in their eyes, the Von Erichs could do no wrong. But if you look at the history of wrestling, whatever, there was a little bit of wrong. Actually, there was a lot of bit of wrong in uh, what was going on behind the scenes and in the dressing rooms with the Von Erichs and all that. Talked to most people, and I'm sure you've heard the same stories. But, you know, Lance Von Erich for me has always been a fascinating chapter. And I'm looking forward to reading this book, which you can find. You can pre-order it now at lancebychance.com. You can get an autographed copy from Lance Von Erich. I think that's kind of cool. But, uh, Vinny, before we wrap this up, you know, where can, you know, the readers find you on social media? And uh, where can people, and where can other people find you in case they want to interview you about uh, this upcoming book? You can go to lancebychance.com. You can contact us. There's a button on there where you can contact us. You can reach out to me. I also have my website, russellville.com. I am uh, put out stories there. You can contact me there. But Lance by Chance is a good place, lancebychance.com. And you can find me on social media of Vincent Berry on Facebook. And right now I just want to let people know, if you order the book before the release, November 16th, you can get you can get free shipping. So you'll save yourself $4 on shipping uh, if you order before the, the 16th of November. And uh, who doesn't like to save, right? I think people are really going to enjoy this book. I, I think, you know, when, when they sit down and read it, and, and especially those who who may not read it, I, I encourage the, uh, the, the diehard Von Erich Wrestling Nation. If you, if you do love the Von Erichs, you are going to love this book because it talks about the memories of Kerry winning the world title. It talks about how the NWA wanted to put the world title on, on, uh, on David. And they t- it talks about these guys and, and what they meant to the, the community of wrestling and, uh, how the community felt when, you know, not just the Von Erichs, you know, but the passing of Gino Hernandez. And, you know, that, that saddened a lot of people. That was, that was a, a, a blow that, even though he was a heel of the territory, that took the wind out of the sail of a lot of people up there. And I was, I was there. I was in high school when that happened. So it was, it was a shock. All right. Well, Vinny, thank you for joining us, uh, you know, on this episode of Wrestling Memories. Like I said, I'm looking forward to the book. Uh, Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone back over to you because I'm sure the timekeeper's already uh, poking you on the shoulder and letting you know that uh, it's time to wrap it up. Absolutely. The Broadway's got to end. Uh, for Vinnie Berry, Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Brockett. This has been Wrestling Memories Then and Now.